are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network one of us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions we do accept pitches for audio based or banner ads but on a case-by-case basis if you're interested in that contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at $2, $5, $10, or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. This movie review also comes for subscribers at Time Lord level or above an uncut, unedited, longer video version of the review. Become a subscriber and check it out. Do you love sci-fi, horror, and fantasy films? Then grab a badge for Otherworlds Film Festival, the country's premier sci-fi film festival. There will be Q&As, panels, parties, and mixers. Rub elbows with up-and-coming and established filmmakers, as well as like-minded filmgoers. Come celebrate our seventh year, December 3rd through 6th, at the Galaxy Highland in Austin, Texas. Badges are now for sale at otherworldsfilmfest.com. That's otherworldsfilmfest.com. is a book of blood when they're opened they're red (laughs) that was actually the thing back in the days (laughs) that clive barker used to say that was like i think it was in the title card thing of the books okay these books are genuinely scary and gory and kind of erotic gory and nobody had ever really seen anything like it before but man you're lucky you could get past that pun yeah yeah I did. I was, for the longest time, the world's biggest fan of Barker. I mean, it was pre-the Hellraiser movies. I was that guy who was like, oh my god, they're making a movie out of that story in Books and Blood? I was there opening night for Hellraiser. Like, yeah, let's do this thing. I was that kind of horror dork. Right? Wow. So, uh, well, I saw Rawhead Rex in the theater. Fuck, holy <laughs> shit. I didn't realize you had seen that in theaters. That also, from his Books and Blood collection, there have been many adaptations. I feel like as an author, he kind of decided you know what i would just want to read write epic fantasy now but with like a little bit of like erotic blood play stuff and he did that for a while and that didn't sell so he's like you know what i'm gonna go back and i'm gonna do more horror eroticism but the climate has changed and now it just seems gross his career is weird because like he's written stuff that's obliquely fantasy he's written historical fiction he's written outright horror he's just one of those guys who whatever he comes out with it doesn't matter how outlandish it is it's like eh, okay sure cool you, you want to do like piranha 4 next cool I, I guess so that makes sense he does make some odd choices he was very sick for a while apparently like deeply like no one thought he was gonna make it but reportedly yeah. he is okay yeah, he's good he had yeah. toxic blood syndrome from like a from a, a a dentist visit. Anyway, the upshot is now he's feeling good enough to sign on the dotted line for some more adaptations <laughs> of his stuff. And one of the latest ones we're getting is Hulu getting into the game of adapting some of his original short stories with their new Books of Blood, just named directly after the books, anthology horror film. Now, when I saw the ad for this, I naturally assumed this was going to be a television Me series. Me too, right. Not a movie yeah and i think so did the makers of this film because everything about this screams 
pilot for a series. Okay, thank you. I'm glad somebody else thought that. I really came out enjoying this, but the entire time I was going, this is part one. Like they've announced this, right? They're they're gonna do a whole set of these. They have to. I read that it was originally it was supposed to be a series, and then some problems happened to where they ended up just doing the movie itself. I mean, it may have been, you know, the the COVID situation. Yeah. I really don't know. But I do know that the guy who's directing this and co-wrote it is Brandon Braga, who is a legend on television. He is one of the guys who made Star Trek into one of the biggest franchises in the entire world post Gene Roddenberry. He's like, I think direct, may have directed more episodes than oh, anybody wow. else of that show. I'm not entirely sure, but like a lot and was very much like one of the head producers of it. Amongst, uh, you know, 24, all these other shows he's worked on. He's he is a television guru, which is another reason I was like, this has got to be a show, right? All right. So getting past the fact that everything about this feels more like the pilot of a television show. And these days, that's not as negative a thing to say as it was once. Yeah, television pilots are legit now. We're still going into a thing that's an anthology horror that feels like and probably and will end up being just the beginning of at the very least, sequel film or maybe even a series to come out of it. Like I said, adapting these books, but I've got my own books of blood here. That didn't work. Oh, well, you know, these are my buddies. I got my books of buds. Hey, <laughs> there we go. The older I get, you just stay the same age. I got right. Hello, everybody. I got Aaron. Howdy. And I got Adrian. Hey, hey. So this is surprisingly just three stories really and one of them is more of a wraparound bookend thing than it is like its own story in its own right i mean there's barely any development at all but it is where it this thing starts out with these guys who are gangsters and they go into this rare bookshop they tell the guy hey you owe us the money still he's like no no no. i'll tell you what I'll, i don't have the money right now but I, I can point you where to get this book it's worth millions i can tell you exactly where to go get it it's called the book of blood and they're like great where do you get it you get it here. Okay. Goodbye. And they kill him. You know, bad call, brother. You should have said, I'll go with you. <laughs> the guy's never seen a crime movie. It skips right from there, though, to the first story, which is a little jarring, I thought. But it's Britt Robertson, who is still struggling to find a role that is going to really make her career she's like the low rent jennifer lawrence kind of you're like okay that's fine i mean you can tell though a lot of people when when suddenly somebody starts getting cast out in films the young person and they uncannily look like somebody who currently is huge that's not a coincidence that's never a coincidence and this was not for young brit robertson either but she has yet to get a role that's really mm, been that one her and everyone else in here nobody is going to be winning any emmys but she plays a traumatized college dropout who lives with her parents who don't really understand what's wrong with her. They're kind of assholes, quite frankly. They're about to send her to a psychiatric home. She suffers from a hatred of sound to a level where she can't take them. They're super loud, which the audio in the show reflects and, and especially hates when people are eating. Can I just say that this whole segment of the movie, I was convinced that she was somebody who had just developed like psychic powers and this was her being unable to control her powers and not yet able like, <laughs> like oh shit like i'm still dealing with all the noise and the thoughts and everything coming at me well you were wrong Papa Bear. <laughs> <laughs> she runs away from home and you know as you do when you're a young teenage runaway get a bus past to go to LA but she thinks there's this weird kind of creepy looking guy following her so she gets off the bus early and is like fuck what do I do now I'm in some bumfuck town so she goes to a local web cafe and like looks up oh, okay uh oh there's a bed and breakfast here 
So she goes there, meets these kindly old people who are there, and things are not as they appear! <laughs> okay, so I'm not going to tell you how that wraps up, obviously, or where it goes from there, but yes, things get dark. And then it switches to the story of Mary, played by Anna Friel, who is an academic, and her whole thing is she's like a professional skeptic. She's written books about it, she debunks psychic phenomena, and this guy, who's like total like mad hunk of cheese Simon, played by Rafi Gavron, who's, I guess, pretty big in England, shows up saying, hey, uh, your son that died, well, I have a message from him. And he kind of impressively shows her how this works. He like goes into a room, is checked thoroughly, is stripped down totally naked, which will make not displease any certain portion of the viewers of this. He's got a nice ass <laughs> is what Chris is trying to say. He has a really great ass. Yeah, no, it, it's objectively a great ass. <laughs> <laughs> and strips down, is checked thoroughly to make sure he's not hiding anything in this totally bare room. He's like, okay, well, you have to understand that the lights are going to go out for a minute. And like, lights go out, he's screaming and crazy sounds. And then it comes back on and he's lying on the floor having a, a stroke or something and covering every inch of the inside of the room written in blood is messages from the dead, including one would assume from her son. She's like, wow, I can't, you know, I'm a scientist. I'm the kind of scientist who's like, present me with new data. I'm going to pay attention. She does. And that's where that story really starts going. So those are the two main stories. And then it kind of goes back and forth. By the end, everything is kind of tied in together in a perhaps overly neat little knot. Yeah. It's almost weird to call this an anthology horror film. It almost feels like, I'm going to say the Magnolia of horror movies, but it feels like Magnolia, <laughs> but with way, way less lofty goals of just like, it kind of weaves in one story and out of another. And then it comes back to yeah. this one. And it, it's almost like there are just these stories that happen to be going on in the general vicinity of of Raven Ravenwood, maybe not Magnolia. I mean, it's got that kind of Quentin Tarantino style of like let's jump around while being like intercut because the stories do relate to one another. Altman, that's what I was. Thinking. They all end up wrapping up pretty much like, oh, this could have just kind of been a movie, like mm -hmm. just one long yeah film instead of shorts because I think they're all directed by one guy, right? It's all Brandon Braga. I think of anthology. I think VHS. I think Creepshow. Different directors doing different shorts. I don't understand why they made this an anthology except for the fact that it's called Books of Blood and there's different short stories. I have a theory. I, I think legitimately they were like shooting the first season and went, shit, we don't have the money to hold this in production while COVID's going on. And they like edited the episodes together where they were just meant I think to so like, too. they were kind of meant to touch and be like, oh yeah, haha, that was that moment and that was it. Mm. We got like 20 minutes of this story. So, so let's make that like the second story. And we got like 10 minutes of this one's shot. So that's the wraparound. I don't necessarily agree with you though, Adrian. The two primary stories barely touch each other. Like they barely intersect. In fact, the characters never even meet from those or yeah. from the you know, uh, yeah. even the wraparound. Yeah, right, it's like right. literally a card drives by real fast that's from the other story. You're yeah. like, okay, that's it. That's their only crossover other than tone. But, you know, I mean, that's just it. It's all the tone. And it's all about said books of blood, like I said in the opening. It just, it seemed odd the way that they were kind of putting it together to kind of just connect the tissues, which, sorry, use that, but uh, <laughs> uh, 
but like it just it felt really like hackneyed the way that they ended up connecting them together maybe again it's like they maybe try to shoot the tv show and like oh shit what do we do well put that guy in that shed and then that's how we'll kind of connect it all together at some point and i'm like oh and we were chatting about we have like a group that we chat about things for different channels a slack group and right off the bat writes like oh this i do not care for this and i was like oh no i want this to be good and i'm watching going i don't know what the fuck right is talking about this is great <laughs> man i'm sorry but this was this was terrible <laughs> like the script is so poorly written because I looked at uh, Brandon Braga's filmography as well. And yeah, he's kind of like a wunderkind in TV. And like, he really carried a lot of things. And like, I don't know what the hell he thought he was doing with this, but he is not good for this type of material. I think Clyde Barker is kind of known for this, where he, characters have these very introspective, dark thoughts, and they, they have to monologue just a little bit. It felt so cheesy and dumb when some of the characters were doing that and like with uh Britt robertson when she meets the cute guy at the airbnb and she's like talking about death i think i literally screamed fuck you to the tv i just like this oh is God. so dumb no one would say that maybe in hellraiser in 1987 but that's it i think that's exactly what he's going for this is hokey yeah, i'm not gonna is. say it's not hokey it's and silly it's exactly what it's supposed to be and i know that people use that as a defense sometimes for things but i think in this particular case there was too much there's too much stuff i'm like you are clearly trying to make something that feels like it could have been made then when barker was at his height and it worked for me this is that type of hokey fun like sometimes surprising sometimes gory horror and i wanted more of it i was sad that it wasn't an anthology show even more so when it was over i'm like come on i want to see some more of these i don't think this thing is terrible maybe i'm closer to right than i am to you two i went into this thinking you know what i really like anthology horror films and i really like clive barker and maybe like halfway through i realized you know what i think i just told myself that and i'm not sure if that's actually true <laughs> i don't think i'm that into anthology films and i think i've only seen a couple of clive barker films that i've liked like i really like hellraiser i actually really like nightbreed i think that one's really fun yes. nightbreed's, great. Oh, nightbreed's great really underrated as well as lord of illusions yes. nobody liked it when it first came out it's got evil monkeys. It's fucking great. <laughs> it's like one of the only actually good urban fantasy like adaptations out there. And Candyman. Like, oh, this actually works. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Candyman. That's also Clyde Barker, right? Also great. Yeah. yeah. See, and I love Candyman. But this kind of reminds me of uh, Masters of Horror back when they did that. Yes. Like, 2005, 2004, something like that. And it does feel like a series. It feels like a TV show. And I mean that in the sense of the soundtrack the acting the way the shots are put together this has some cool gore this has some disturbing images there's actually a really really cool sequence in the second story where everything is dark and you just see a lot of bright eyes that it reminded me of demons from the 80s oh yeah i thought that was fucking badass and that was cool but i could watch this with the audio off and enjoy all the visual stuff because the stories themselves they just really didn't do anything for me you can tell that he's not on digital noise air because we watch it like that like every day. And we're like, yeah, look at that shit. That's awesome. You see the glowing eyes? Four stars. Love it. <laughs> I wish that it only did the second story. I thought that would have been a very 
kind of a like what you're talking about, Chris, like a very old fashioned macabre 1980s tale where it's this woman who in a way almost gets to take this sort of supernatural revenge. And it's like that felt really fun. I liked that story. But just the first one with Britt Robertson, I just felt like it was like a PG-13, are you afraid of the dark story? I disagree with you on every single count you've made, right? <laughs> um, We're renaming you to Ron. <laughs> 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 like, I'll admit, like the movie is a mess. Like you can't get around that just because of it. You can tell it was fixed in post. I find the supernatural revenge story, the the book of blood, the real book of blood story, to be actually kind of the weakest of the one that the true fleshed out two stories for me because it doesn't have a great payoff. It has a great setup for the rest of the, the books of blood. And, and maybe that's because I've read them, so I, I knew that going in, and I kept like waiting for that moment to land. The Britt Robertson story is actually the one that worked the most for me. I'll admit, until they circled back and gave the final little twist and what choices she makes at the end, I was like, okay, this is okay. But that felt so very Clive Barker. Like, yeah, I can buy that that is a great adaptation of a Clive Barker story because that is how a Clive Barker story would end. When they do the first segment of it where you're like, that's it? That's how you're going to end it? I was like, that didn't feel like, I mean, I was enjoying it. But then it was like, that's a fucking weird fucked up way to end that and not in a whoa so fucked up but in a sort of like that's not storytelling that's not an end and sure enough the film is like oh no 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 we weren't done and then it ends properly the way it should and i was like okay now i'm and i even enjoyed the two goons like they were a lot of fun that was kind of clive barker's winky nod nod nudge nudge attempts at comedy like this felt like a clive barker directed feature which is a a praise and I, i think the only thing that i'm sad about is that it's not actually a tv show because I want more of it now like next week I, I want another episode I want them to do the one where the towns link arms and turn into giant hundred foot tall men and then get into a fight and like that's so fucking weird because tourists dude this is like your fandoms colliding just ha- yes I'm telling you like tourists <laughs> join in and it's one of the greatest short stories I've ever read I adore it it's so goofy weird if you're going into this expecting a traditional uh, anthology film you're not going to get what you want it's also so not a normal narrative feature it's this weird crossbreed of the two and so know that going into it because it's going to feel weird if you dig his more smaller written horror books or some of his early directorial efforts i think this is probably going to end up being mostly up your alley they do a really good job of adapting the stories that they do it feels accurate to clive barker and there's some genuine creep and genuine kind of beauty in the movie too, which is what Clive Barker is about. I could have used a bit more gore. I could have used a little bit more payoff on the wraparound story. And maybe, I don't know, I keep wanting the Book of Blood story to be the wraparound. But I think that's me wanting what I want and not an actual problem with the movie. I'm going to watch this again. I I loved it. I'm going to give it four out of five uh, really creepy naps. Adrian. Well, like I said, maybe I'm just not a Clive Barker fan like I thought. Maybe I'm not an anthology fan because I thought... You don't belong here! (laughs) (laughs) I thought this was just okay. I mean, like, it tickled my spooky bone, I guess, for October. It was something that I might see myself put on in the background. I'm not upset that I saw it. 
I don't know. I'm also thinking just maybe with me, I'm just not that scared by scary shit anymore. And this one, for a horror movie, I didn't find it scary at all. I found some of it kind of disturbing. Yet those things that were disturbing were visually really appealing and really cool to look at. So it has good visuals. It has good atmosphere. But that's kind of all it has for me. I wish this were a little more. And if they do a second one, I might be there. But until then, I'm going to give this two and a half Clive Barker movies that you should go see instead. Go see Candyman out of five. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I wonder if it is Clive Barker because I'm sitting here thinking and realizing almost all of his stories are less about something that's authentically terrifying happening and more about how horrifying it is that it changes you once you've been through that. Yeah. I meant about people making choices to be changed in ways that seem horrific. By the way, Adrian, when you say tickles my spooky bone, it seems so innocent. But (laughs) if Clyde Barker said that to me, I'd probably be like, dude, put it back in your pants. Right? This whole thing falls flat. I think it's visually really uninteresting for the most part. The characters are really poorly written. I just wish a lot more. I wish that they started to dive deeper into some of the the world that they were trying to build. I think the one thing we can't all agree on that I do wish this was a TV show. I wish this was a series that we could have seen everything fleshed out. Uh, a little bit more (laughs) really it's just two and a half stories at most i think that each of the stories could have been fleshed out to an hour to hour and 15 minutes or something like that and uh and really just understand some of these characters and make it an anthology show like each episode different like you know the into the dark or whatever the hell it is in the end i wasn't scared at all again i'm kind of flabbergasted that this guy directed this because I know he's directed episodes of 24. That was a very tense show. And so I'm just kind of shocked that uh, this was um, not good at all. (laughs) Sorry. So I'm going to give it three out of 10 lament configurations. I wish I had right now. I think this is hokey B horror done as great as I like hokey B horror done. I think people who like stuff like the evil dead television show are going to enjoy this. I think it's, it should have been gorier certainly to scratch that itch a little bit more. There's no reason for it not to be, this isn't going to be for kids. No kids are going to, or should be watching this thing with the content. So why not go for it, man? There's a couple CG issues. Those are a thing I always get under this thing where bugs crawl out of this girl's mouth and you're like, that looks terrible. If you know, if you can't do it in practical for this sort of thing, I say just don't do it. There's a lot of creative ideas here. There's some genuinely creepy as fuck moments. It is very Barker. It moves super quick from one thing to the other, which is very important for this sort of thing. And by the end, I was like, wow, that was tasty. That was like having a little piece of candy. I enjoyed that. Melted too fast. And now I want another (laughs) one. Wasn't good for me. And I'll probably later eat something that is a billion times better in every way than it. But in that moment, that's all I wanted. So I'm going to give this seven and a half out of 10. Oh yeah. Hypodermic needles in the eye. Boy, that's one of the ones that gets me. (laughs) Don't like needles in the eye. No, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That's no good. I don't like that. Or fingernails when they go and rip off their face, especially do it slowly. Like, and then look at it like, huh. That's peculiar. Who does that? It's the teeth that get me. (laughs) It's whenever somebody pulls teeth. And what is with that? You know, it's anytime in a movie someone like loses a tooth, it doesn't just fall out. They're always like, hold on, huh? Uh, 
And they have to yank yeah. on them. Oh. Who yanks on their tooth like that? <laughs> no, you go, oh shit, I think my tooth is going to fall out. I got to call a dentist. <laughs> Sorry, this exactly. this conversation so far is way more in- entertaining than this movie was. Uh, Boom! I disagree, but this is a yeah. good conversation. <laughs> Aaron's going to kick your ass. He's going to go to your home. <laughs> and pull out your fingernails. I will fight you, motherfucker! <laughs>